Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by National Roper Supply. NRS has been providing quality Western wear and horse tack since 1989, and they are proud to be the number one Western store in the USA. From functional and fashionable Western wear and horse tack to essential livestock and horse supplies, NRS carries the products you need at prices you can afford. NRS is a one-stop shop for all things Western. NRS also carries our new line of modern cowboy brand apparel, caps, t-shirts, and hoodies. And for our listeners, use your special discount code MODERNCOWBOY at checkout for 10% off your entire purchase. And remember, Modern Cowboy is the brand for the cowboy in all of us. Today's episode is also brought to you by G-Site Solutions. G-Site Solutions is the number one dry fire laser training system. With the best variety of targets from tactical to game strategy, you download and activate the free app to your iPhone or Android. The Elms Plus laser cartridge is the only laser cartridge in the world with replaceable rubber strike pads. This allows you unlimited shots. You can work on your trigger press, your sight picture, your grip, your stance, and your breathing, all in the comfort of your own home while tracking how your accuracy improves. Look, repetition is the mother of skill. And as a former hunter education instructor and certified NRA pistol and range safety officer, I know the importance of consistent training to stay proficient and safe. G-Site Solutions Dry Fire Laser Training System does just that without going to the range and using up expensive ammunition. Head over to g-site.com and check out all their available products. And tell them Dan at the Modern Cowboy Podcast sent you. Where are you cowboys and cowgirls at? Hey everybody, this is Dan Hillenbrand and welcome to Modern Cowboy, the podcast for the cowboy lifestyles and businesses around the world. I'm glad you're here, so sit back in your saddle and prepare to be inspired, motivated, educated, and entertained as I interview a new guest each week that embodies the modern cowboy. Every Friday afternoon, I hitch up the trailer, saddle up old rock, and ice down a cooler, I drive that old back road until it ends. And the rope and pin. We got them rusted out pickups and fancy rigs. $20,000 horses, then there's my own stick. Although we're all the same, the minute we ride in to the rope and pin. Hey everybody, welcome to the Modern Cowboy Podcast. Um, I'm, I'm super excited to have my guest on today, uh, Josh Serlin. And you know, the, the one thing I always do is I always ask people th for the pronunciation of their last name, so I'm not sure if I pronounced that right yet. Uh, Josh, welcome to the podcast. Did I pronounce your last name correctly? Yeah, sound good to me. Serlin. Okay. <laughs> Serlin, okay, great. Well, hey, uh, Josh has got a, a brand uh, called Black Bear Brand, uh, and I'm familiar with it because of social media and because of a mutual friend of ours, uh, Chris Douglas, uh, who I've had on the podcast a couple times. But, you know, when I when I first saw Josh's brand, the Black Bear Brand, man, it just it like took me back to 1972 being on the job with my dad and his workers. You know, uh, that's the first thing I thought of anyway, just looking at the the style of the clothes, uh, some of them anyway, uh, boots, uh, just that whole kind of a vintage era, man. And, you know, the guys that worked for my dad were all 
I mean, they were bull riders and gunfighters and all kinds of different type of, you know, alpha males, manly men, you know, and, and that's what, that's what I see when I see the brand. Uh, uh, it, it's super cool. But then again, I also see, uh, and a lot of you may not know this era, but uh, I see then came Bronson and I see Dennis Hopper in, uh, um, oh, what was that movie with Jack Nicholson? Uh, what's it? Easy Rider. Easy you know? Rider. Yeah. You know, um, there's just so many things that, that you see. It's a, a, a super, super classic brand, but at the same time, it's very current and relevant. And uh, it, it, I, I don't know. It's a super cool brand. Um, I can't wait to hear Josh's story. Uh, I, I, you know, how, how he come to, uh, you know, have this company and stuff, but anyway, Josh, uh, that's kind of my take on it, but, uh, share with us, you know, uh, you know, a little bit about you and, and how you got started in this, in this business. Um, so I, my background, I don't know if I, I think I try to best describe it or when I try to describe it, it lands back at like a 1970s neighborhood potluck. It's, it's not, it's got so many different parts that one, you know, would hard to make sense with a normal flow. Like I had this dream of, you know, doing this and spent my education and apprenticeship through that. And this ultimate thing now is achieved. It's, it was my form of that. I mean, I grew up big family in Indiana. Mom's from Holland. Dad's ex-Marine, you know, Vietnam, that whole jazz. Right. And then they had six boys. Um, my dad worked in the factory at Kenworth and or at International Harvester and, you know, swing shift and built himself up with that. And, you know, we ended up moving to Washington when... Uh, about 13 years old and I hadn't really seen anything on the, or I had never seen the West coast to that point and dropped us in Washington. And then kind of the eyes just got fucking big. Right. Um, and, you know, being a big family, having, you know, limited means we didn't travel really, you know, it was us in a V-dub van, right. Six kids in the back, all fighting. Um, you know, <laughs> we get we get where we land, and you know, two two of us have got black eyes, type of shit. Right. You know, and that's just the name of the game. So super fun, all in all, looking back, having that childhood. Um, but then my dream and exploration, you know, started fairly young when I was sneaking out and actually driving up to Canada before I had a license. <laughs> you know, when you could get across the border with just virtually nothing, right? right. Right. And, you know, doing all the things that, you know, kind of fed that search and reach for shit. And that led me into the Micronesian Islands when I was in college, off to the Caribbean, post-college, running a beverage department for a Westin, and then came back and economy was shit. And took any job you could and ended up at the Kenworth factory, um, doing material planning into marketing and doing any odd job shit ended up in global international export sales in my early 20s slinging basic you know kenworth truck parts to dealers that export exported them into mining and you name it wherever right. mining was happening mostly in the middle east and shit like that um so at that point you know it's already been a bag of business um but 
followed into the technology bit a bit from there, um, fell into the kind of marketing role a little bit more in that. Um, but even at the age of 27, I went off on my own and tried to start my first business. And it was in the creative field and I was into action sports. I spent all my free time doing that, spent half my time up in Whistler, um, kind of attacking that part of my dream and ended up, you know, trying just chasing the dream. I mean, most of the things up to that point were still in some form or another chasing that dream, that dream of what I thought I could be or what gave me that kick. And since I'm hardcore dyslexic, you know, graduated college, maybe with two degrees, but did everything in that process half, half ass backwards. It's like going, everything didn't happen in the way in which it was supposed to. I worked two jobs in college. You know, I found a way to get past grades and everything, um, but by far was academically in scholastics fucking shitty. Right. I mean, <laughs> you know, but I could make it, right? So everything was just making it um, and then chasing that. And that international interest was there. That action sport interest was there. The thing I was kind of good at was always put me in the creative world. Um, but my background in regards to schooling is never that. And at that age, we were kind of following the track of what our education was to some extent, right? right? I have a basic business degree, um, some in the emphasis in hospitality, um, but it was a business degree. Um, and that puts you in whatever, any variety of roles within business. Right. Um, but that first venture off on my own was to actually help like pro athletes um, within their personal marketing. And it was into action sports. And then I was doing odd jobs, just finding my way within that. And that put me in with Nike and Oakley and a couple skate shoe companies and then ended up with what always drove me with each one of those was I love clothes. Um, I love design. Um, and I never had a background or an in with that. So I ended up in any creative role within any of these things. Ended up doing campaigns with Nike. Um, and it ended up always in more of a outcast role. Right. Some shit that couldn't be sorted out within the normal format. Or I was coming up with some crackpot idea um, and then just pitching it through some weaseled way that I could find. Um, and the generally the only people that would adopt it were actually in the industry I liked was the action sport industry. It was very youthful in that time too, where they were, I mean, open to doing shit that wasn't normal. Right. Which was great, right? Because the last thing I could do was something normal. I just couldn't do it. Anything normal, it just didn't work. Like, right. So within that, one thing led to another. I just started to like become better at just a wide variety of shit. And almost that I would come up with an idea or pitch an idea. And then it would be like me jumping off a cliff and I'm building the fucking wings. I don't know how to do any of this shit. Right. I'm figuring it out. And it was just a fucking idea. Right. Um, and then that always bounced back and forth, but within a couple years, you know, had some really neat projects with having a, you know, a shit ton of fun, but had no business. I mean, I was in my late twenties, had no business mind in many ways. And I lost everything I owned. A couple bad decisions jumped outside of the industry within action sports, which I was fairly comfortable in. 
and tried to do something that was in a marketing project that was outside of it. And I lost fucking everything. When I mean everything, it's like when I didn't go bankrupt because at that point, you know, I didn't still feel comfortable with credit cards. Right. I'd never borrowed any money. I worked two jobs during college so I could operate through that. It's like going, I still to this day have like this difficult. It's difficult for me to get my head around borrowing money. Right. And which is, which have, is a good thing. <laughs> and having a credit card was so uncomfortable, right? It's like when I have, I had, I still to this day, I don't think I've paid interest on a credit card in my life. That's amazing. <laughs> and it's because it's, and it's because when you don't have money or you grow up from a thing where it's like when everything is, you know, directly in exchange and you're hold held to the responsibility of, you know, when you, I think it comes from, yeah, your my parents had enough money right. where I wasn't, you know, a charity case or I wasn't somebody that was getting, you know, student loans, even at my, in my era, student loans weren't possible. Right. Right. If your parents made enough money, you didn't get a student loan. Credit cards weren't even part of the scenario, at least in my upbringing in my family. Right. I mean, my first trip to the out of the world or out of the world, out of the country was into the Micronesian Islands. And beknownst to me, and look, I look back at it with such silly, with how silly and naive I was. And I'm so lucky that I was able to be that silly and naive. But I left with a checkbook which is idiotic, right? right? I had a checkbook and I had like $20, <laughs> but I had a job over there. So I was like, and I'm 20, 20 years old. I wasn't even 21. Right. And I'm off to the Micronesian islands. I'm like going, fuck it. I mean, that's, I said, fuck it more times now looking back than I could have ever thought. Right. Um, but after losing that and losing everything, I did kind of, you know, have to, recalibrate for no other reason i had no choice um and i was living in canada at that time because that's where i wanted to be and that's that chasing that dream aspect there was so many reasons that were one could say it's everything i was doing was unsensible right but i didn't give a fuck right it's what i wanted to do so i was able to kind of push aside anything that was, you know, I could make sense of it and justify it for the simple fact is I wanted to do it. Right. And to this day, that hasn't ever, I have not completely lost that. Right. Um, so came back and then I was trying to figure it out. Like I have to No, I didn't, I asked for, to borrow money for the first time. I was, I was, I was said, no, my dad, I was like, going, and I, it's like going, I, I guess I don't fall too far from the tree, right? That apple right. fucking scenario. Um, but I was like, dad, I just need $5,000, get my, my shit back in order. It's like going, I got to go. You go and he's like going, no, you can stay here. I won't charge your rent. Right. And I was like, I was like going, fuck, okay, I'll take it. Right. And within four days, I'm on a plane to LA and I'm, you know, trying to scheme shit up within the action sport business, but starting with no one else involved and just me controlling it and we were doing product photography in a garage we were doing web stuff for armada snow skis and i'm not a web designer but i can creatively direct and project manage most of those things and that's what i would ended up kind of taking hold in my direction is like going no i can't use photoshop i can't use illustrator right. um i never have 
Right. You know, I can't write code. I know the format of websites, you know, is I think intimately. Um, right. I know the operational kind of infrastructure. I know how they operate. I know how to put all those pieces of the puzzle together. But no, you wouldn't want me doing anything except that. Right. Because my skills, it's like when I'm doing, I can do 20 of those things. I can, but that is when came to that, at that point, through all these odd jobs, I ended up running the marketing for a fixed income, you know, treasury and corporate bond network while starting my next thing that was where I instinctually fell towards. And that was action sports, developed a product for Mastercraft boat company, did graphics and artwork for them and all their dealerships through a product distribution that I developed and all these other things. So I got to, through that kind of training and that first step, I started to be able to have a, out of necessity, I was watching and playing out scenarios, you know, two steps ahead. Right. You lose everything. Your everything you own fits in the trunk of a fucking Cadillac. <laughs> you know, you're sleeping on your dad's couch. You know, you're 29 years old or tw- it's like going, fuck. <laughs> I didn't, I, I couldn't get a normal job. Right. At that point, it's like going, and maybe it, I, I would cannibalize my own opportunities that were presented to me because I simply wasn't drawn to it or I didn't want it. Although I may have said it out loud. It's like when at that point, I started applying for jobs once a week and actually did that for the next 10 years. Oh, but while operating a business, while going after all these other things, while developing things, but simultaneously, I never didn't. I never stopped applying for jobs. I would say no. And I would, you know, I look back at the cannibalization I would do to myself. But I had some odd comfort in that where it's like going, but then I also, it kind of reassured me. It's like, oh, I need to fucking, I, I'm not going to work in that world. Maybe because I don't want to, but also maybe it's just not something I, you know, I mean, sure, I could find a job, I imagine. I don't have, but it's like going, but I don't know if I could. Right. I started to really feel to the point, I think, and it helped, but it wasn't going to fucking happen in the normal world. Right. Well, it's funny you say that too, because, you know, I I was a chiropractor for many years. And, and when I went to school, I thought, well, yeah, I'm going to end up doing this forever, you know, and, and lo and behold, you know, I, I'm kind of like you, but I, I just can't see myself stuck doing the same thing. So I actually became a general contractor and a builder while I was a chiropractor and then got out of chiropractic, you know, and then I'm back building and, and land developing land and stuff now. But then I started modern cowboy, start the podcast, the same kind of thing. I can't, you don't see yourself just stuck in that same role. I mean, I've got ADD so bad anyway, you know, I got to keep moving, but I, I can relate to what you're saying totally. <laughs> and on that note too, I've lost everything before too. I know what that's like. <laughs> it's it's and and I, and I, you look back at or I'm able to look back at it and say, I'm lucky it happened, right? Yes. And all the things that I kind of you know, I was lucky enough also to not fall victim in my own head. It's right. like going, I didn't have someone to catch me, right? Right. So I didn't have anyone to cry to. I didn't have anyone. It's like going. You know, I was like going, I mean, anyone that was in my life was like, fucking get the fuck out of here. You know, <laughs> it's like going and it's like going, don't be a pussy. Right. <laughs> you know, that's all I could hear in the back of my head. 
it was like going, okay. I mean, my, my dad's now passed, but he even, you know, that one thing that he commented years after is like, going, you were up at four 35 in the morning and you're sitting at a computer. I don't know what the fuck you're doing, right? <laughs> but you were there. Right. It's like going, and it's like going, cause I didn't know what else to do. Right. That's and crazy. that, you know, led me into approaching everything with such a creative way of thinking. I didn't look at it and saying, okay, this is how, you know, this individual did it, or this is where this person found success. I always took those things into consideration because I think I study for a living. Um, I'm always, you know, learning from the things that are happening to me, I'd like to think, um, but also trying to be astute to what I watch other people and are by watching other people and also, you know, attempting to learn something from their experiences, but also knowing that their experiences will never be the same as mine, but it doesn't mean I don't have see value in them and all that shit. Right. But the neat thing that that put me into is like, well, now I could, you know, I've had operational background. I had marketing background. Um, I had creative background. I also had development of something that never existed background. Um, I now had, you know, I was negotiating while doing my own thing. I was able to do a lot of things that were very contradictive in the normal sense. Right. I was negotiating with standard and pores or fidelity for contractual agreements with an advertising while, you know, doing data analysis stuff that all operational. It's like right. going, and I was like going, no, but I could do that with one, with my right hand. Right. You know, and then my head's over here. Right. And it's like going, I could do that all day long. And I actually found enjoyment in it, that it was fun to be able to like going, and I started to realize that it was something that I enjoyed. And I almost needed that kind of two chess boards at once type play. Right. Because I've got such a busy brain. It's a fucking mess. You know, it's a tornado. <laughs> right. But that tornado actually comes to a zone through stress, meaning where it's strained and it's through it's when it's over exercised or at least exercised and all these things. It's like, oh, no, it's like when my brain needs it. Yeah. So after that Mastercraft product, you know, started to really, again, start this training of, you know, how I was going to, you know, work with dealer networks, how I was now manufacturing a product. I was still doing it with my creative was navigated through one or two employees at, at max. Um, I had operational X, everything else got pushed outside of that. Um, so, cause I operated and developed that with no money. Right? right. So I developed the business with no money for the second time. Right. Um, and, 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 and then was able to, you know, really dive into trademark copyright, legal contract, bullshit, you know, some of the stuff that got me in trouble the first time, which I hadn't been as precautionary in arrangements or relationships. Um, right. So that started to take heed. And then that copyright and trademark stuff, because I was doing projects with Mastercraft, I owned the, a license to print and distribute their name on vinyl and all these other things. So I started to really dive into that. I had artwork that I would then now own the copyright to it and distribute it through these things. So it started to say, okay, I, I learned, I'm learning a lot in this and I developed something that hadn't been done in the marketplace. Um, but I also was able to now watch those things 
I like to use the chess analogy only because when I hear the chess masters, you know, and that bullshit, right. it's like when they're actually playing out 20 different plays or scenarios on those boards prior to them happening. Right. And they're kind of watching them. And I started to realize that that's kind of what I'm doing. And it was protective, right? So that background of trying to protect myself and trying to see a bunch of that shit. And then I did a project with a Baja team because I was doing all these odd jobs right? besides developing that product. And then I always tried to do fashion stuff um, because that's where I wanted to do it. And I do, I don't know, small lines for a pro athlete for the NFL or some bullshit like that. Um, it wouldn't go very far because they had to operate it. Right. Um, or I would, you know, do something where I was developing that entire apparel program and in, in concept for a master craft, but operated through the manufacturing and through Oakley and their network. Right. So I was starting to really get this, this thing It's like going, oh, okay, I'm, it's like fucking playing chess. Right. 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 I'm develop and then I was like going and that I mean, one of my neatest jobs I got to do is I'd get a random call from like Central America, and it would be from a Formula One race car driver for oh. XYZ that their manager and they wanted me to do their hat. And I, you know, it's because I did a project with Red Bull and you know, one of the and or, or I was doing some odd job and my Red Bull stuff wasn't peril. Right. Like, but I'd done hats or some other bullshit for some. So it's like when all these things were like when it was like, I don't know. I didn't fit into any scenario. So as soon as someone could accept that I don't fit in, um, but I might be able to take care of their shit and, or I might come up with some scheming idea or when they've got an idea that doesn't, hasn't yet been adopted in the, in the normal shit that throw that at Josh, see what the fuck. Right. will come from it or see what he thinks or some something right right and then but then uh, that developed product i developed for mastercraft i started to see that you know out as it was it had hit its peak it was declining that and and i had lost interest not that i had a tremendous amount of interest in that industry or that product ever i developed it with the hopes of pushing it to mastercraft and me walking away um but it was so new and no one had done it that I ended up operating it and developing it and, and hence owning it. And at the end of owning it, it was, you know, now hard to sell and to push it into somebody else because I was so deeply attached to it. Right. So I had to find, so, I, but I tried to sell it and I ended up selling it as it was going kind of less relevant in the industry. Right. And it, at that time, I was trying to fully go into the fashion stuff among all those odd jobs I was doing um, and got introduced to like dead and dormant trademarks and defunct brands right? because I was helping somebody else try to take the license for a streetwear brand in New York that was defunct or debunked and kind of became less or irrelevant. Um, and then I started to like my interest cause I always seemed to wear it was like car work in progress and like some weird shit that, and that was pre it being in the U S that was like, you get it from Hong Kong or, right. so that's where, and I would wear Dickies since I was young and I was like going, 
But then I had some really outlandish stuff and I'd always had, like I was pitching ideas to Hublot watch it company for like 10 years. I would just pitch to people all the time. Right. Like once, once a week, once every couple of times a month, I would just be developing something and send it to Adidas or send it to these things. But sometimes you'd end up seeing like inklings of it come through something. Um, but a lot of times it was like, it was me just trying to, get something out right and i wanted somebody to accept me and i wanted some acceptance in this thing that i wanted to do <laughs> right um but that defunct helping somebody take that over um kind of rebirthed my black bear brand to i knew they existed right, right. in seattle there's some old stuff that i had found that i really liked in these walls that were kind of ghost walls in regards to advertising um you know because they're some of the background stuff let, led me into the graffiti world and some other stuff so there was other things that kind of crossed my path in the past um and i my first job to trek back back when i was like 10 during the holidays i helped with like clothing stores folding, folding clothes in indiana <laughs> and it was like but it was like suits Right. So I always, and I would, and I would, I always had like this interest in, you know, suits, Yeah. like very tailored garments and like, yeah. and it's like one, and then I, I love this collision of like, when I always liked really nice things, not because, not exclusively because they were expensive. Most of the thing I liked just ended up being expensive. Right. It's like, well, no, I, the cars I liked were expensive. It's because I liked that the art that went into them. I liked all the thought process. I liked the difficulty in obtaining it. I, 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 all those things were so attracted, so attractive to me from a young age and that never left. Right. Even when I had like when Oh no. When I was working with Vaughn zipper for the first time, it was like when I just wanted their sunglasses, right? <laughs> Mastercraft was no different. First right. time I worked with Mastercraft coming up with that idea. I just wanted a fucking boat. Right. <laughs> That simple too. It's like going, and then that, that, how I was going to get that boat ended up being that process that ended up me working with them. Cause I didn't have the, you know, the wallet to buy a hundred thousand dollar boat. Right. But now I found this sideways way around where I got them to, you know, contractually put a boat into our agreement right. for this product and operational thing that I was doing for Right. So it was always this sideways shit that ended right. up getting me to where I wanted to go. It's just, it never happened the way that you'd think. Right. <laughs> but so that this defunct thing, I was trying, I, I had now pushed this product and stuff that I was doing aside. I was fucking hell bent on, on doing what I'd wanted to do. I've gained a, you know, a wide variety of, you know, mix mash of experience and all this shit. Um, I was back to where I was like going, I was, you know, trying to be a creative director for brands that I, you know, were in Europe. I was trying to, I was like, going, fuck dude, I just got to do it. Right. And I had to slowly, and I was starting to get that comfort too, where I was like going, okay, I can't let this completely go because this is how, you know, I've started for the first time in ever having some level of comfort, some, right. some level of, of security, which looking back, I had very little, but I felt as if I did, 
And that was dangerous for me. Right. Like security, awkwardly enough, is, is not my friend. I think it's becoming my friend because I can, I've, I've experienced enough of, well, I still have very little security right now. Um, but I'm diverse as shit um, as a result of not having security for so long in a traditional sense. Right. Um, but then I said, okay, slowly I found the dead trademark. You know, I had enough, and you know, bat crazy friends around me that were saying, what the fuck are you doing? Just do it. Right. <laughs> you, you've done all these things for other people. It's like one, I mean, I've worked in the truck industry. I've worked in assembly lines. I've done steelworking apprenticeship. I've done all this bullshit all the way to, you know, travel in the world, running beverage departments to export sales to technology, running the New England territory to developing numerous products, working in the financial industry, doing all these things. Like it's a, it's a fucking casserole. Right. <laughs> and then it's like going, and I'm there and it's, this is what I wanted. And I needed that each time in the past where I just wanted something bad enough where I was able, I had to discard a bunch of the shit that will bind me from giving into it and just fucking saying, fuck it. And it still took me about two years of still kind of being held back by myself. Um, but at that time, right after, you know, and that's seven years ago, I, I went after that trademark. There was a holding company that just failed in going after that mark. Um, and that's where, you know, let's say some of these brands that people know, you know, they may have been sold that trademark or rights have been sold, but ultimately when you trickle down through it, they're owned by a holding company, right? Right. right. They're not owned by anyone that's relative to whom that name is. And I don't need to name names, but feel free to whoever's listening to jump in and explore, you know, the depth of, you know, what is really the foundational of these brands and it's interesting right yeah you know so after watching this trademark and you know having some intellectual property experience having a lawyer that's actually that's what he does right um intellectual property law um and i was like going fuck kevin i want this and he's like going yeah there's all these things it's the reason they didn't get it and i was like i was like well i don't fucking need to hear how they didn't get it although i'd like to hear that really i was like going what did they not do? Right. And then I started doing the shit that I do. I was like, going, okay, all of these scenarios are ways in which it's possible. And it's ways in which they didn't do it. Right. And they got rejected. So let's fucking do all of them at once. All of them. And he's like, no, that's not how it works. And I said, fuck, that's not, that is how it works. I was like, well, no, you're not telling me how it works or not. I was like, going, why doesn't it work that way? And he's like, well, that's not how it's done. I was like, fuck. I go, that's, you know me well enough that that's, now you just got me riled. Right. <laughs> so then I started going after it in a handful of different ways. And I was like going in one of those ways in which I just operated it. I, I launched it. I was like going, fuck it. All right. This is the way in which you can now put this into the market. And now you are it. Right. And he's like, well, if you don't get it, it's a waste. And I was like, fuck. All right. I go, it's on me. It's like, well, I'm not borrowing money. I go, I can do a lot of these things with very little investment because I do them all. Right. Um, and it's me pulling, pulling strings. It's like going me pulling levers and, and a lot of the stuff I can do. So it's like on photographers or, you know, basic product stuff at that time, I had a lot of basic product stuff, you know, t-shirts and hats. Right. Um, 
and you're not you're not manufacturing it, but you're doing what everybody else is doing, or a good portion of them, is you're 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 getting deep enough to then rebrand it. And that was seven years ago. But my I instantly went into a collaboration because I was able to get them to do it with me, a collaboration with Williamson Dickies, right? But they let me really pick apart and go deeper than um, one would think. It's like, well, no, we made a collection where I made like small run of pants, like right. a small run of shirts, like right. unprofitable to them. Right. Like right. I had no distribution. I fucking a website I designed was with my buddy, right? right? It's like going, I had no, I wasn't redoing patterns. Um, I got them to do it. Right. You know, I didn't, you know, have any of these resources yet or any of these skills to do it. And I'm not a pattern maker. Now I can navigate through my pattern makers. I have a bilingual pattern maker that does my stuff within English and Japanese. I have a right. pattern maker in the US. You know, it's like going, so now we can do it. But at that stage, none of it. So really had to kind of find this workaround, which I didn't even know if it, it was a workaround at that time. I just didn't know how to do it. So I everything was how you do it. Right. If it worked, that's how you do it. So, so basically, though, what you did is you, you were going to resurrect this brand that was a it was a dead trademark, and the another uh, conglomerate had failed at doing it. But what you did is you just went and said, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm taking this Black Bear brand, and you developed it. You put it out there before you even own the trademark. So then, when you're getting the trademark, you're you're able to show them, "Hey, this is where I'm using it. You know, and it's dead. So I'm you know I'm using it in." whatever I'm using in clothing, fashion, whatever. Uh, and, and then that had to, that had to be one of the big things that helped you get it. Yeah. And, 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 and I was just, you know, I, I, I reminded myself as I was doing a lot of things I don't know how to do, which is right. the history that I've got. Anyhow, as I'm, oh, I'm always doing a lot of things I don't know how to do. Right. Um, and within that, it's like going, no, it's like going media. Okay. Well, let's, let's develop that thing. It's like going, this is what the brand means to me. This is what, <clears throat> this is how, so that nothing was disconnected from reality at that point. Right. Because I was developing everything. Right. Like I was, I was telling the story. And when I didn't have people to pass that duty on to it, I had to fucking do it. Yeah. So as a result of having to do it, everything had this intersection and this connection, right? So, and it's like when you don't have resources <coughs> of whom to take pictures of, I was like, fuck, all right. I hated pictures taken of me, <laughs> right? But it's like when I don't have anybody else, I fucking can't pay somebody with money I don't have. You know, right. I can't, it's like when, and I have to make the first one so I can see it with it, so it fits me. And then I was like going, okay, it's like going, and then I, you know, I've always had an interest in doing things that I thought were cool, right? right Which right. every one of us does. It's like, yeah, absolutely. So I was like, well, fuck, let's go do something cool. Let's go do something fun. Yep. I go, and then I just started to, because I can't be photographed. A, I don't want to do something that I don't think is cool or don't think is fun. Right. And I spend my life trying to not do anything I don't like. Right. <laughs> um, but then at the same time, it's like going, okay, I, I don't look as much like a dick right. when I'm doing something I like. Right. <laughs> so it's like going, just, I'm just trying to do it that way. It's like going, okay. So then it's like going, oh, let's go up to Canada. I got my friend up there. Let's go in the mountains. That's cool. You know, it's like going, I got a defender. You know, let's go do that. It's like going, I had this interest in motorcycles prior to Black Bear brand about a year prior to the taking over that and going after that mark. I, I fucking went sober. 
So it's another thing. So I really had a lot of pent up energy. Um, right. You get sober, you drop everything, but you're like going, whew. You know, I had a whole lot of energy um, and a whole lot of area in which I needed to exhaust. Right. My, my where my head was and the spinning of the things in my head, which I was able to kind of suppress through a shit ton of alcohol for 25 years. Yeah. Um, and then not having that suppression or not having that, you know, exhale to, to go off. It's like going, I just gave into that. And I was like, going, fuck, dude, I've been fighting my busy brain. I've been fighting, you know, this, un, this pent up energy that I've always had. I was like going, and I just started to almost have fun with it. Right. And have fun with that multiple chessboards at once type scenario. I was like, cause that's where my brain goes. Um, and I would try to suppress it because it's hard to channel. It's hard to control. And so, I was like, I just gave into it and an extent of suppressing it. I just gave in. Yeah. And that was another just luck, luck of the draw. And within those scenarios, it's like one, I mean, I would apply to be a sewing room, a, a, a sewing room manager while I'm starting Black Bear Brand because I didn't know how to do it. I was like, fuck, dude, all right, this company needs it. Let's fucking apply. Right. And they just laugh at me because they look at my background and they let me in. And then I walk out of there after, and I've developed a, a collection with them, right. you know, and I've done it through this odd, weird format of me just jumping in and doing a bunch of stuff I don't know, but within their format and their scenario, and it ended up playing out and yeah. those kept on snowballing. That's funny you say that because when I, when I was starting to, to, you know, develop the modern cowboy brand and the podcast and everything, I went to work at Boo Barn, uh, you know, and when I turned my resume in, they're, they're going, oh, this dude's a chiropractor and this and all this. But I went to work at Boo Barn and I learned a lot about retail. I never really worked in retail. And then I went and I worked at Shoppers. It was another, you know, Western deal. I actually got fired from there. Um, and then I went and I worked at a National Roper Supply. So that's how you learn, though. You know what I mean? Go out and do it. <laughs> yeah jump jump in i mean it's no better way to quickly figure out um if you hate it right um or if you suck at it and exactly. you can still do something you hate you can still do something you suck at but at least you fucking know yep yep that's for sure so w when was the black bear brand originally uh when did they originally found that brand well that's that and that's part of what i think the complexity of that backstory is what kind of hit so deep with me, the more I dove into it, right. is that it was, there's so much mystery still to this day in regards to the documentation of a lot of this stuff, right. but it's about 1903. Okay. Here in Seattle. Um, and, you know, and then it's death was also kind of that mystery where it just wasn't clearly documented. It's not like factory burnt down or, you know, right. it's like, going well, no, it just, it kind of faded. Right. Because of a variety of reasons. Some of it was overseas. You know, it was the changing of the, the market, changing of the way in which apparel and fashion was doing business. Right. Um, you know, some of the decisions that they made as that world changed, you know, kind of helped close it. And also that it was, you know, owned by somebody that had more than one thing, but it never left that family. It left the original person. Right. Um, but as he passed and as the family you know, passed it through that network within that family. You know, I mean, it was unoperational for, I think, close to 10 years before it actually shuttered in regards to they kind of walked away from the mark. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, so, but, but since, so you, you 
resurrected that mark back in what seven years ago you said yep and in that time i mean uh you've done so many collaborations and and obviously you know you've got a lot of history and experience in many years leading up to that but i mean you've done some really cool collaborations with a lot of different companies um and, and again is that just that's just a skill set you've got in terms of being able to reach out to somebody just like reaching out to Dickies and, and getting them to do a, a small run of pants. That's not even profitable for them. You know, uh, it, it, well, I mean, and that's part of my, that's part of the game. Part of it's like, no, I mean, I've, I've been lucky that, you know, they've either found the idea in which I'm trying to get them to, to buy into, you know, interesting enough or, right. or they found, they probably thought I was fucking weird. Right. They're like going, fuck this guy. It's like going, and they're like going probably just out of curiosity. Some of it was out of curiosity because it's, there's, you know, the depth of what we do or the depth of the brand um, is all easy to tell in its story because it's all fucking real. Right. 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 It's like going, it's just, and again, it's like going, no, we operate, you know, I've only got one person that works for me. Right. That's and it's beautiful. like when the photography, it's like going, no, it's like going, you know, Chris Douglas, you yeah. know, I've been fortunate that I found a, you know, friendship and a kinship or a creative, you know, a, a creative, you know, collaborative, you know, exchange right. with these people. But that goes back to my background. It's like when, yeah, I mean, I was doing projects with other people, um, you know, forever. Right. That's what it's always been. So collaborations, well, part of it's like one, if I don't know how to do something, that's one way in which I can do something really cool within a realm of something I'm, I'm unfamiliar. And I'm not, I'm not good enough to do it on my own. You know, footwear, for example, is right. great. It's like one, no, I, I, and also I think it's like one, no, it's like one, I think that there's, I don't feel as if I've got the credibility to provide my own footwear. Right. So I'm not going to do it. Right. I'm not going to fucking lie about it. Right. Um, and it's like going, so when I wanted to do a Western boot, it's like going, no, I was interested in it. I already knew a couple people and I was like going, you know, and they were like old ex Ralph, double RL, Ralph Lauren. Right. People that were back in the day and they only knew me through Black Bear brand, but it's like going, no, I'd be in New York doing some bullshit with a photographer or trying to get some crackpot idea going. And, and then I'd be chatting with them and I'd go, fuck see the double RL boots are cool. And they're like going, yeah, Rio Mercedes. And I was like going, I was like, ah, and then I got a couple Western friends, cowboy friends. And I was like, right. going, fuck, what's this? And then that kind of led it into it. But within six months, I'm on the phone with the CEO of Rios. Right. And, and it's like going, and it's just out of, curiosity and interest and he found a, a, enough mutual interest in what i was doing where it's like then it's like the floodgates open for me it's like going then it's like going these are all the cool things i want to do i mean being in japan i was kind of represented with a boot guy i know in japan or kind of reassured with this rio's interest right. and then i was like watching what they do with rio's right it's like going, ah, oh, dude, now it's like going, that's my comfort. Right. Like going, so I saw this American brand, Rio's and Mercedes. Um, and I saw the Japanese and the way in which they kind of touched it. Right. 
and they brought it to this thing. I was like, on fuck, dude, now that's it. And that's what I've always found this kinship with Japan is because they, they've got, I mean, I think I'm certainly not the only one that says it. I think I heard it this week from somebody, which made me laugh. It's like when Japan often does America better than America. Right. Right. They, they, they're the ones that, and they almost have a deeper love for some things that would be considered American than, uh, you know, the, the, off, the often general or average American um, in regards to fashion or history within the fashion world. Right. And I, I don't think that they're wrong. I think that there's, that's true. Um, yeah. So they're, you know, and that boot guy that I've met through 10 different steps prior to that. Um, now my friend, I'll see him in a week because I'm off to Tokyo on Thursday. Right. Um, so when I saw that, I was like going, fuck. And then the Rio's had happened there. And then I went, fell back to where one of my comfort places is my relationship with Horine Tannery. And then I get to start again, playing that board where it's right. like going, okay, they all work together. Yeah. Like everything is intertwined in such a fucking fun way. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. Cause I, I actually, I went to, to the Rio's factory and I, I spent a couple of days there with uh, some of the, a bunch of people from NRS and stuff. And, and it was, when we were in there, I saw, I saw these Ralph Lauren double R boots or double RL. And I go, dude, and they go, yeah, we, we, we do a collaboration with, you know, we make these boots for them or whatever. And then they even said there was one time, I can't remember who the shoemaker was, but it was, it was a time when something happened in the shoe industry. I don't remember if it was in the seventies or eighties or when it was, but he said, yeah, we started making shoes or soles for uh, another, you know, just a, a, a standard shoe brand. And I can't remember if it was, I don't remember what the brand was, but anyway, I just found it interesting. You know, it's just another example of, uh, you know, doing whatever it takes to, you know, keep, uh, keep the doors open and keep things going, but they've got an amazing operation down there. And the real Mercedes side, I think, I can't remember how many guys they have working there, but I think the average employee has worked there like 25 years or something, you know I mean? Oh, it's, they're, they, and they are there. It's, it's, it's fun because it is yeah. a relationship, right. Yeah. You know, so those things are, are dear to me. Um, and, you know, I genuinely have get so much enjoyment because, well, I'm unquestionably learning something. Right. Um, every time I interact with them. Right. I know so much more now. I still don't know shit. I realize that, right. but fuck, do I know more? That's right. for certain. Right? right. And that goes to, you know, a, a very different scenario with Wesco, but also so many things would be considered the same, you know, and then, you know, footwear is that example of where, you know, I, I enjoy why well, I, I know too much now. Right. To assume that operationally it should be done outside those exceptional areas in which somebody does that exclusively and they do it the way in which I've been able to and fortunate enough to experience. Right. right. So it's like right. going, no, it's like going, why would I do my own, try to do my own boot when I think these guys do it the best and they've spent this long length of time doing it and knowing the infrastructure that it takes for them yeah. to do it at the level they do it. Yeah. I was like, Oh no, it'd be silly. Right. And I, I feel fortunate that I can, you know, make each one of the things we do with them ours. Yeah. Meaning we don't just put a tag on one of their products. We actually design it. We we're in, in, 
engaged in the choices that are in its design within their sphere, but then injecting, you know, that leather that's ours. You know, we want, we want to be part of it. We're not a retailer of other brands. We right. Yeah. And that's, that's something that really comes through, you know, uh, with your brand is your, all of your, uh, you know, items, they're, they're all unique to, to the black bear brand. And it, it's like, even when, cause I, I mean, I wear real some Mercedes, I've, I've got great pair of freaking uh, Buffalo cap boots. They're some of the most comfortable boots I've got, you know? And, but then when I see your boots, it's like, man, that's, that's black bear brand has put their, you know, their mark on that. And it's not like a white labeled boot at all. You know, um, and the one that you've got out, I think I just saw you just said posted on it. Um, I'm not sure if that the sole it's on, it's not a Vibram sole, but it's the, it's the rough out boot. I think it's like 12 inch top. Um, what, it's the crepe sole. Yeah. Crepe sole. Yes. Yes. And, and I see, I don't even think real, real Mercedes makes a boot like that with the crepe sole, you know? And so, and, and I saw it's that, man. I think, well, I mean, any of the boots that come out, like, I think if one, you know, among all their retailers and partners that they work with, because, right. you know, I'm, I, I can't imagine they're not being in the U.S., but if you go to Japan, that was one of the things that they were, they were doing some of those boots in Japan. Really? Yeah, so that's why I was like, I was like, fuck, all right, because I, you know, my traditional cowboy boots, you know, I have, you know, whatever, my kick pedal is right. a like it's a piece of metal right right if i try to kick those over with a, a normal pair of like cowboy boots oh it's sloppy at best yeah. right it's yeah. just sloppy um and i'll and i'll dig through the bottom of a sole and because i mean i'm on my pan head as often as i can right like if 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 there's a reason that i've got to go somewhere and i don't have to carry a bunch of shit yeah yeah i'll ride my bike Right. right. If I've got an appointment or a meeting, it's like, oh, no, fuck. I don't give a shit. What? It's like when I'll ride my bike. Yeah. Like when I, and it's like when, and if somebody looks at something, it's like, no, fucking rain. No, there's no windshield. There's no <laughs> fender. There's none of that shit. It's like when, I mean, it's part of the fun. I mean, it's, it's, one could look at it as dreadful and it's like, oh, no, but I, I have some weird, like, affection towards that shit. It's like, oh, not fucking feel good. Yeah. Um, to get in the shit, man. And yeah. then, but it goes back to that design aspect that is something that I, I, that is important to me is like when our design process, right. Or mine specifically, but now the brands, it's like when I design stuff for me. Right. 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 That, and that's, I mean, call it selfish. Call it, call it that dreamland shit. That's like one, but that's, that's, unquestionably everything that black bear brand has to this point is something I wanted for me. Right. I designed it for me. Right. Um, and that is why it's going to have a represent or have, a, you know, a tied representation of brands. Like, and I like things that, you know, again, I went in the, quest or process of design i just want to design as cool as i want it right, right. it's like going, and that ends up putting me in a position where it's like going i don't like shit that's cheap or i don't like and i don't mean in a financial sense it's like going, no no right. it's like i'm on a it's like when i want the best fabric and then i'm like trying to figure out how to make it the coolest and that's like when all these different ways in which it can kind of end you know have that end result that's 
this thing that I'm dreaming of, right? And that has from the very beginning, from when I was young, it's like, it always ended up, it's like when at the end of it, or at the beginning of it, I'm not designing to fit into a market segment or to fit into a price point. Right. I'm designing it because I just fucking, what cool, awesome thing can we come up with? And then how do we go about creating it? And at the end, you've got this, right? right. And then you're like, and then I'm looking at it and going, fuck, dude, all right, that costs that much to make. No shit. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like going, fuck it, cool. And I, two years ago right now, is when I finally gave into that. I was always about 80% into that process. Right. Where I couldn't inherently, because it's my way of doing it, not do it. But I wasn't giving into, I was still under this assumption that I needed to fit in and that this is how it traditionally was done. Right. You know, and it's like going, and I, and I, and I was in a place where it's like going, a lot of these things are, all of these things were done for me for the first time not under the direction of someone else that has a lot of history or experience. I was doing it literally on my own right. in regards to its conceptual, right? right, right the right. execution of it, unquestionably. I don't do anything alone. Right. But within its conceptual and within its drive, it's always been up and yeah, it still is, I guess. It's me. Yeah. It's me on my own. It's like me in an echo chamber, for better or worse. I try to get out of that echo chamber as quickly or as often as I can, but it's still a lot of echo chamber shit. Um, But that two years ago, I was off to Japan as the U.S. was shutting down. Right. I'd already had a plan. I had a project I was going to do with IWC. I was going to do a story. I had my buddies with bikes in Oita, Japan. I was we were lined up to do a two day fucking adventure on old choppers. And then I had a tattoo meeting um, and thing I was working on with Horitoshi One in Tokyo, which is like the oldest tattoo master in Tokyo. Man. And I had a magazine meetings and I had all these things, but I was like, I was near bust, right? You know, so I, I hadn't given in or submitted to just doing it, that, just given in, saying, I'm going to fucking not listen to this outside, this is how it's done direction. Right. I'd still had that in the back of my head. It's like, well, fuck, they keep on saying that's how it's done. So I was still holding that to some regard. Right. But that trip to Japan and COVID, all the bullshit that came along with that, it's like when I just lifted my fingers and said, fuck it, dude. The <laughs> world's going to shit in a handbasket. I go, I'm just going to fucking, I'm going to do exactly what I want. I'm yeah. I, And no holds barred. I'm going to yeah. do exactly what the fuck I want. Yeah. And I'd already done that. I'd just done things that were considered fairly outlandish, you know, a work boot that's $1,700 and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's just because it costs. I mean, we put $600 worth of leather in the boots, right. $700, like going, or not, it's more than that. It's like $900 in leather, right? So it's like all these things. It's like going, and I already started to embrace that, but I submitted. I just gave in, you know, indigo horse hide. You know, let's, I wanted to do a sweatshirt. So I, went on that quest to design the sweatshirt in which I dream of, you know, that shirt and the fabric, this is what I dream of. So let's figure out how to fulfill and bring this to life. And then it's like going suits. Fuck. I like suits. Fuck it. It's like when you're not supposed to do suits. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's like going, you're not supposed to do Western boots. What the fuck are you talking about? I can do whatever the fuck I want. Right. It's like, why do you tell me at this point, you haven't given me money. It's like, I don't have anyone. I'm not beholden to an investor. Right. I'm not beholden, you know, at some point I may have to be, right? Because I'm incapable of navigating this 
adventure without that help of finance. But it's like going, I'm just used to scrapping. I'm just used to, I'm used to having nothing. Right. So if I got to have nothing to get what I want, I'll have nothing. Yeah. You're comfortable with it. I'm comfortable in the discomfort. It's an awkward thing. Yeah. You know, you said something earlier too, though, about, uh, you know, just fashion and and, uh, about we all, everybody likes fashion. And even people that say they don't like fashion, they're, they're not, they're telling themselves a story because what we put stuff on every day because it makes us feel good when we wear it, you know? And, and I think like, and, and we're always, we're always looking for the newest and the latest, but we always love what's unique. And, and that's, you know, that's what I think with your brand is, is, is it's just so telling. And, and, and I think why your brand is so great is because it is so unique and yeah, it costs more, but you know, you know, a, a 911 Porsche costs more than a Toyota Camry too. And there's a reason, you know, you've got quality, you got performance, you got all kinds of things. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know if that makes sense, but I, that's just kind of what I see, you know, I appreciate with, it. with your brand, you know, and, and why, you know, and, and just like you said, I mean, if you got a pair of boots, you got $900 worth of leather in it. I mean, anybody that's been in any kind of business, you, now you got to put that leather together. So you're going to have labor in there. You got all kinds of things, you know, but you're going to have something that's quality, you know? And I think that that's like, when I look back and I look at your brand and, and I see, you know, your, you, you know, your products. And, and I remember as time went by, man, you know, cause I was born in 58, you know, and, and I remember you, they're, they're not making this stuff like they used to. This doesn't, this doesn't, you know, this doesn't last as long. And when I see your brand, I just look at stuff that, man, that shit lasts, you know, that stuff's made, made to be used and made to last, which a lot of products nowadays aren't, you know, we're in a, we live in a throwaway society and, uh, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's just refreshing. Well, I, what's I think not it's super better cool. than what's not better than giving a shit, right? Yeah. We feel the best when we give a shit, exactly. contrary to what people think. It's like going, it's like going, I, I have a genuine and it's, these are, objects right right but the experiences around these objects mean something to me yeah and these and then as a result those objects mean something to me like my cars it's like one no or my bikes it's like one no they mean a lot to me actually right. you know and 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 so do these things that that we're designing and creating is right. they mean a lot to me um because i put a lot into them um and it's because there's experiences that have a, a, a deep association for me. Right. And I hope that, and it's like one, and I think that's what can come through, you know, in the sense, these are my experiences. Sure. Um, and hopefully, you know, the people that are getting this and I real, real fortunate that I've get to interact with some of the customers and they've had their own experiences. Right. 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 And this thing was with them during their experiences. Right. And now they've got, and that as a result can make that thing remind them of those experiences and that object is now special. Yeah. Um, which is fucking great. Yeah, absolutely. But we are happier when the shit in our life means something. Yeah, no, no doubt. You know, the other thing I just got to comment too, because, you know, I mean, I I just resonate with a lot of things you say. I mean, because like, I love watches. I love suits. You know, when I was a chiropractor, man, I mean, I, it, I, it was you know, I wear suits all the time, you know, and I love ties and I love nice shirts and, and, uh, well, I, lo- I actually love, uh, tag Hoyer watches. I'm, I'm just really into those right now for some reason, but, uh, but, um, and you mentioned formula one too. I really got into watching formula one. I, I got a good buddy of mine that, uh, he's into the four GTs, but, um, 
anyway, we, we talk a lot of the Formula One stuff. And, and uh, but th- there's this one other guy that, that, that my buddy met a while back. And I don't know why you don't remind me of him, but you remind me of that kind of uh, uh, style and stuff. Magnus Walker. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but he's a, uh, he, he owned a brand. I think it was called Sirius back in the nineties or something, but he's, he owns Porsches now. Um, have you ever heard of him or? Uh, yeah. Cause I've got a couple. So Jonathan Ward, uh-huh. icon four by fours, him and I have became friends over the years. Um, and then there's a couple guys I know here that are really into to Porsches and th- that names came up and then Jay Leno, Jay Leno's garage. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, I have so many unsensible things if right. one is looking at life in a sensible way. Right. But it's like one, but my life is all unsensible. Right. So that makes it sensible. Right. To me, it's like one, but those Porsches and what he does and how he elevates those Porsches and how, you know, there's when he talks about those Porsches, it's infectious. Right. 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 And I, and that's, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't know if his, I mean, I've, it's been mentioned to me, but I have gotten no visual reference or like of his fashion stuff or what he was done in the denim business. Cause I think it was denim. Yeah. Um, but his poor shit and how he's so enthusiastic and right. so into it and, and, all these things and the end product from what people have said about when they see one of his Porsches. Right. They're fucking killer. Yeah. Well, you know, that's what that's, I was just kind of relating, you know, you, you guys a little bit, even though you're in a completely different line, but I get, that's the same kind of feeling I get with you. I mean, because you have that same passion about your brand and, and the things that you develop. And I, I just think that's super cool. And, and it's, you're just super unique, you know, and, and, uh, and we all are, if we be ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But a lot of people won't, you know, the other thing too, man, is, is, is tattoos. I I, I love your tattoos and, and that's something else I love. Now I actually just got my second one. I was, I was supposed to, I'm supposed to get a sleeve and, and I started working on it, but anyway, had a few things happen. So I got to get back to it, but uh, so you're, so you're going to get some more work done when you're in Japan. Well, here? so this arm right here, all the circles throughout it, Mm-hmm. I've got them all over my body. Right. They're like mandalas and they've been, you know, significant. Their significance is to a relative to an experience. And it started when I was about 20. Right. And that happened. I mean, my legs are from my kneecap down to my, over my kneecap through to my ankle and traditional Japanese. But three years ago in Tokyo, I was introduced to Horitoshi one um through a, a friend that was there shooting for national geographic that uh-huh. his time there crossed with mine and we hung out for a few days he photographed with me went to boot stuff and magazine stuff and then he was introduced to horitoshi through his i'm gonna get this term wrong but like his cleaner or cooler or the person that arranges all the stuff for him as a photographer right um he wanted to meet this person and he had me come along and then I sat there in the room and then at previous to that trip, I had just had my whole admin done by Oliver Peck. Oh yeah. Yeah. And he was like the Horitoshi saw it and him and I, I don't know, he doesn't speak English. I don't speak Japanese. Even I go to Japan a fair bit and I don't speak any <laughs> Japanese. Like I walk around and smile a lot right. um, and I giggle and you know, people are real accommodating and um, I can navigate through that scenario with, you know, a smile and, and then, with some translation help, but him and I became 
you know, friendly or we found some kinship during that short experience. And his apprentice who ended up sitting with me during that time and we, him and I hit it off and we kept in contact. And when I was coming back that following trip, cause I go, I had been going two times a year. Um, now I was about to come back and I, and him and I, I was like, yeah, I'm coming. I'll be in Tokyo. And he's like, you wanted me to ask? Cause he knew it, you know, right. I hadn't said it because it kind of, to my understanding, wasn't the process. Right. But he said, Hori, do you want me to ask master if he'll tattoo you? And I was like, yeah. And he came back and he's like going, this is, you know, kind of the scenario. And I was like, yeah, he can have, if he can have this arm, we'll start with that. Um, and he asked questions and then he's like, and I was just submitting and he's like, this is what you're agreeing to. Um, and I was like, going, yeah, done. And it's to come back until it's completed. Right. And there's some other things around us doing that. But I was invited by that, by him into that process. And nice. then since then, um, that was the year prior to kind of this last two years of lo like lockdown. They didn't allow anyone in the country. Right. And... So what he's doing, I mean, he hand draws it on my arm because it's around all the mandalas. Right. And then he hand drew it. It goes up chest plate and, all, and the armpit and he hand drew it. And then that's, and then he starts the traditional Tabori. The stick is all the fill. So it'll be a traditional full left. And then, it's, you know, he's old, but my hope is that we'll do this side to follow but this upcoming trip, I'm with him eight days. Oh, man. So that's, and I wanted more. Like I, I told him, I was like, I was like going, I was like going, I was like going, cause I'm going to be in Tokyo for uh, 17 days or 16 days, 17 days. Gotcha. Um, cause I got a lot of work to do there and there's so much that can, I can operate efficiently um, globally while I'm there for the most part. Yeah. Sid who works here can kind of do, you know, all the things that we need operationally done. Um, we can work together remotely from that, but also there's a lot of things that I do in Japan in regards to now factory production material. Right. I got a lot of relationships over there right. and we're starting some things in Japan um, to kind of be something that will fuel and support Asia. It's my hope one of the dream things. Um, and this will help kind of me devote some time specifically to that. But those eight days, I asked them for 14 or something crazy oh, too. I was like going, cause I'm, I need, I want to catch up. And it's like going, I mean, I laughed cause I was like going, if I, you know, it stops holding it's Tabori. So it's the stick. Right. Um, I find it more pleasant personally. It's not, it's not as painful as, I don't think so. I, I, I don't feel that way about it. Um, you know, I mean, he's, he's at the highest level. I mean, he's not like abusive, you know, right. Right. You know, it's like going, but it's like when, and he, he has limitations. It's, it's, it's a taxing process to do the Tabori as the tattooer. Right. Right. Um, so he's got, you know, time limitations too. It's like when he can't do it for six hours. Right. You know exactly. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So he'll do what he can each of those days. Um, and they're split up to like, I gave him, I gave him my first, 
like as I was finalizing, because I'm on a I'm on a work visa, I'm on all this bullshit to get me into the country. Right. I've got all this operational thing, so it's actually a work trip. But among right. that work, I'll be in the tattoo parlor right. Right. or in his in his studio X Y Z. But I was like, first thing after I I bought the plane ticket, I hadn't yet gotten my visa. I was in the process of trying to arrange the visa and all that bullshit. And I was like, Master, what days can I have? I gave him the entire trip. I was right. like. Tell me what days. I was like, how many days do you want? And I tell him like 14 or some shit. And he's like, going, he's like going, here's eight. <laughs> and then I arranged all my meetings around it. Like going, okay, done. Beautiful. That's awesome. Hey, the other thing too, I want to touch on real quick is we're, we're, we're at the end of our time now. I'm going to have to have you back on because we could talk, we could talk about uh, vintage motorcycles, uh, you know, not to mention tons of other stuff too, but um I always ask these questions uh, on the podcast, everybody, and I've, I already know the answers to a couple of them um, because I know that you've done another collaboration with a really great uh, custom hat maker as well. So favorite brand of cowboy boots? It's going to be... Rios. <laughs> yeah. Black, well, yeah, Black Bear brand with collaboration with Rios. And how about cowboy hats? Favorite cowboy no. hats? That's a, that's a world in which I'm, I'm, I'm exploring right now, to be right. honest. So I think, I mean, there's so many good ones, but it's like going, I don't think I'm smart enough yet. <laughs> really? No, I, don't, but- I think it's because it's like when it's like the, the hat world is, you know, and, and then when you get into the specifics, like, you know, the hat people we've made hats with are awesome. Right. 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 Um, and then part of it's like when the first one I worked on a hat thing with was Optimo in Chicago that does not do Western hats. Got but you. the education that I received in the small short time and working with him was astonishing. Right. right. And then each one of these small, more artisan hat makers that I've worked with past, you know, are, are phenomenal. Um, and then it's like one, and then you see some of the people that are these larger businesses, which I would say I'm, I'm not into. Right. Um, and then where's that, happy medium where it's like when i'm still a neophyte in regards to especially with western hats because i've never i haven't really done a real western hat yet you know right which is something that you know talking with some people it's like no i want to it's like when um i'm just you know each one of the hats we've done this far it's like when and that's the neat thing about collaborations and also the difficulty is like when you do eventually open yourself up to that you know, your two paths and directions change. Right. And I'm right, fortunate right. that I'm, I'm hell bent on this, although it's changing and evolving and I'm, I'm ever exploring, it's still, I'm, I'm a stubborn motherfucker. Right. right? <laughs> and I, and I want what I want. Um, and, and I'm swayed. I am right. just not, just not easily. Right. It's like when I like to experience those things and I like, the adventure of it. And I, and it's like one, but when our, like, I, I feel more fortunate now where I can, I can have a wonderful relationship and have a wonderful experience and also wish them the best in their path. Right. And also be confident that I'm okay with my path when those paths start to head in different directions. Right. Gotcha. Yeah, absolutely. How about how about Western movies? You got a favorite Western movie? Or favorite movie, if you don't have a favorite Western movie. 
Well, I mean, I think a movie that's kind of stuck with me more right now is The Gentleman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fucking priceless. Um, but like when most of the movies in which I like, I, you know, are. I think that movie's super fun. I mean, you can go into the ones like Sicario. None of them are Western, though. Um, oh, but they're just. Sicario is a great movie. The first time I watched it, I was in Chandler, Arizona. We were living in Chandler, Arizona, and it comes up and they show that house. It's in Chandler, Arizona with all those bodies in the wall. <laughs> it was just like, it was crazy. That's a good movie though. Yeah. And those, those there's complexity or whatever that yes. is. There's yeah. some depth to it. Sure. Um, yeah. And also there, but like, I think, now, I mean, just to be more current, because it is wild to see, you know, a movie back when we may have liked it, then we watch it again. Right. Some of my nostalgia gets diminished, to be honest. It's yes. unfortunate, but it's fucking true. Yes, yes, um, absolutely. But like, I think that I'm going to be short on it. What is it? 1883? Oh, the new one? Oh, that was fun. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Right. Um, I think that it was dynamic. It was, you know, unquestionably entertaining. You know, yeah. it didn't, it's, it's, it's sensationalized shit in the best way. Right. Cause that's what its job is. Right. It's far from a documentary um, right. as much as it may have documentary opinions to it from some people, but then the people that probably know their shit, they're probably thinking it's about as far from documentary as possible. Right. Right. Well, and, we watch movies for entertainment anyway and escapism. So, you know, yeah. it, it depends on what we're watching it for. You know, if we're, if we're watching it for actual facts and everything, uh, you know, that's it. sometimes it's just a different, uh, different, you know, copy yeah, you're probably film. watching the wrong thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that movie, I think that show, you know, and I think that's where it's a weird time we're in because a lot of the shows almost kind of the bridge between show and movie on some of these people. Right. Like, mayor of kingstown yeah like going fucking good yeah like it's it's fucking it's provocative like it provokes yeah. you to feel some shit man yeah. it doesn't it's like going that pushes you outside of your comfort zone right. i don't give a shit who the fuck you are right right you know that that is a provocative you know storyline and those actors kicked ass yeah yeah that's probably one of the best shows out there probably in my opinion has to close to be that you know the mayor of kingstown which you know, and it's because it was, it sucked you into this sense of that it's, you know, you, I don't, I think it would be very difficult. And certainly I could not watch that without feeling something. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. And that's, and that's why we, we love, you know, films, movies, art and everything. Cause, cause it evokes some type of feeling or emotion. You know? For sure. Yeah, and what fucking life like without, you know, your feelings being provoked? Exactly. Right? Life would yeah. fucking suck without that. That's for sure. That is for sure. Well, Josh, hey, man, I I've, I got to have you on again. I mean, I, I I love talking with you. I just, I man, I just think that you're super, I appreciate it. No, super, I mean, it was fun. I mean, I, I'm, you know, you know, I, 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 I kind of definitely said a lot for better yeah. or worse. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I, but I, I just think I, I think you're a brilliant guy, you know, and I just I love you know your just your whole ideas and concepts about around work and around you know doing what you want to do and and I tell my wife this all the time I I and I say this to people and you you said this you know you I'm gonna do what I fucking want and um, you know sometimes people ask me you know what do you do and I go I do whatever I want you know and and that's it's not trying to be arrogant but it's just like you know you got to live in that in that space, you know, because like you say, people will tell you, well, this is the way it's always done. And it's like, dude, I'm doing it different, you know? And uh, so anyway, I, I appreciate all those things about you, you know, and, and it comes Thank through, you. it comes through in your, in your brand and your company and, and products, you know, and, and uh, yeah, I just was, I had a great time. I had a great time talking with you. And like I said, man, we'll have to do it again. And I can't wait to hear how your uh, trip was over there to Japan too. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's a, I'm, it's a two years in the coming. I'm, 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 I'm ready. Absolutely, man. All right, Josh. Well, hey, it was great having you on, and uh, look forward to doing it again. And and have a good trip over there. Thanks. Have a great day. You bet. Thanks. Every Friday afternoon, I hitch up the trailer, saddle up old rock, and ice down a cooler. I drive that old back road. It ends at the rope and pin. We got them rusted out pickups and fancy rigs. $20,000 horses, then there's my own stick. Although we're all the same, the minute we ride in to the rope and pin. can tell someday I just might be we'll turn a few steers and we'll tell a few lies kick back in the saddle and philosophize most of life's problems yeah we're gonna solve them down at the roping pen Yeah, we don't do it for the money. Yeah, we're always broke. Just ask Clint what he paid a rope. Now he's lost a dozen wives, half the fingers on his hands to the rope and pin. And it takes a little skill and a little luck. If you can talk smack, you can back it up. Oh, but we're all friends. No matter who wins, down at the roping pen. Well, I ain't no play your speed. But I give her hell, hey, you never can tell. Someday I just might be. We'll turn another pair of steers, tell a few more lies. Drink another beer and hypothesize most of life's problems. By God, we're gonna solve them down at the roping pen. We'll see y'all again next weekend down at the roping pen.
down 